0: Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is
1: Kevin Brooker. Welcome to Cruising Through Retirement. You know you want to make sure that you are on track for your retirement. So today we're going to outline some ways that baby boomers are really wasting money in retirement. And we're going to show you some ways and some options that you can keep those coffers full.
0: Welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Saddle. Kevin is a fiduciary. He is an investment advisor representative. He's an independent uh, fiduciary. Silverleaf Financial is where you find him. Silverleaffinancial.com. He's been doing this. He's been helping folks get to and through retirement for more than 30 years. Uh, He's had time to write a book. It's called The Millionaire's Guide to Tax Free Money for Long Term Care. That is always a good conversation to have. And you can get your own copy uh, absolutely no cost just visit silverleaffinancial.com and you can find it from there hey Kevin what's going on
1: hey you know what that title is a mouthful right but guys <laughs> I love it <laughs> check uh, check out the web I want I wanted to be as descriptive as I could you know yeah. so there are ways you can cover long-term care without paying taxes on the money so by all means check out the website take a look at it uh, all you got to do is uh, give me a phone call or shoot me a text or fill out the form online there's all kinds of ways you can get that book for free and uh, could save you twenty or thirty percent if that situation arises in your life. Wow! I mean, that's yeah, that's powerful. I, you know what? I, I anything I can do to reduce taxes <laughs> seems, <laughs> seems to me a good thing. I'm with you. you, you know? <laughs> and uh, I've, I've yet to meet the person that doesn't want that. So um, it seems like a good bet that uh, most people want it. Would like to know how to do that. Exactly. And I'm actually, you know, I'm actually surprised that, that more people aren't uh, aren't doing that, and looking into it. But uh, but needless to say. There's a lot of strategies in that book. We can show you how you can use tax-free money to pay for long-term care, uh, and if you don't need it for that purpose, you keep it. You don't lose the money. You give it to you. You can use it yourself or a beneficiary. You don't lose the funds, folks. So take a look at it. It can only help you. It can only help you if you understand these strategies.
0: All right. Well, again, check out the book, folks. It's worth it. And uh, again, it's a quick read and it's a fun read, um, and you learn a lot along the way. I mean, it's it's pretty yeah. interesting. So, it, I mean, it is. You you kind of just let us into what we we're going to talk about. You talk about baby boomers wasting money. Um, and this one is is an interesting one. We were talking about this before the show. Blindly paying for life insurance. And and right. people do that. Why? And and what
1: what should we be doing? You, you know I think it's it, it is something that I, I see probably half the people that I sit down with are still paying for life insurance and it's something that's like like drilled into us from the time you know you, you first get a job or or you have that first child or you know uh, you start to make some money or perhaps when you get married. and the idea behind the life insurance is to replace lost income. So if you if you were in a you know the old let's call it the old-fashioned traditional household uh, where just one individual worked and the other one stayed home, uh, and you have one breadwinner. If that person, something happens to them, obviously that family has a big, big problem because it's their sole source of income. And so the idea originated to provide life insurance in case the breadwinner should die prematurely, that the surviving spouse and family will have the money necessary that they can pay their bills, you know, pay for the kids to go to college or uh, put the roof over the head, however you want to look at it. The idea is to replace that lost income. All right? So, so that begs the question, though, when you're later in life and you're retired, right, mm-hmm. what income is it you're looking to replace? Now, now a lot of people will use life insurance um, as a wealth transfer strategy. And in other words, if somebody has a desire that they want to leave money to children or grandkids or, or really anybody, uh, you can use life insurance to do that. And life insurance can be a good tool or a good vehicle, I should say, because the funds are paid out tax free. I mean they're received tax-free so whoever's the beneficiary of life insurance now this is pure life insurance can't be a hybrid type of situation right pure life insurance has a tax-free death benefit so if it's a half million dollar policy your husband or your wife or your your grandchild is going to receive half a million dollars after tax and that money can go a long long way in in impacting somebody's life so a lot of people will do it to let's let's say if somebody's got a significant estate uh and they want to help the kids offset uh, taxes, let's say income tax, let's say you leave a big IRA to somebody, because whoever takes money out of an IRA has to pay taxes, and those are income taxes, not capital gains taxes. So whether you take it out yourself, or you leave it to a child or a beneficiary, somebody's going to pay tax. So some people will use life insurance for that uh, replacement, you know, to, re- to help pay the tax to offset, uh, an estate tax doesn't kick in until what, 12 or 13 million now. So that doesn't uh, impact most people, uh, but the income taxes do. All right. However, if you don't have those needs or those desires, then I'm going to say that life insurance is a waste of money, okay? Now I'm referring again to pure play life insurance. Uh, in other words, one of the things that I talked about, Steve mentioned the book before uh, on long-term care, what I talk about is how some life insurance policies have long-term care writers attached to them where they will pay you an enhanced death benefit to pay for long-term care. And, and so that's a totally different situation that may be very much needed. Uh, for a retiree, but like a traditional term life insurance policy or a whole life uh, or any types of those policies, you want to take a look at it and see if it really uh, is satisfying a need that you have as a retiree, because I'm here to say there's a good chance you might not need it, right? Um, You know, assuming assuming you've got a portfolio, you've saved, you don't have any debt, right? You've done it. You've done everything. You've checked all the boxes. uh, Then in my opinion, most people don't need pure play life insurance. Uh, I do advocate some form of long-term care coverage, uh, which is, you know, a separate topic, but you can save that money if you got a term policy, save the money and go out, you know, go do something that's more enjoyable and have some fun.
0: Well, let me ask you this. If, if I've been paying in this life insurance policy since I was, say, in my mid-30s and making money and doing all that, kind of spaced it out, still paying for it, is there anything you can do or do we just have to say, all right, it's time to renew this or it's time to change this, it's time to take a different approach?
1: No, you, you know that's a good question. That's a good question. It all comes back to the type of the policy. Uh, you know, a term life policy doesn't have any cash residual value. Right, it Doesn't really course. have any other benefit to it. But it is the cheapest form of life insurance, and it's the pure play which I actually advocate uh, for for insurance coverage. It's the most cost effective. But if you've got something called whole life, where you've got a cash value component, you might have dividend payments uh, that have built up, and you've built up a cash value. Um, there's a few things that you can do with that. One thing you can do if you've got cash value, now depending on the policy, but most of those policies will allow you to take out a, pol- a loan against the policy. And if you take out a loan against the policy, you're essentially removing the cash value, but you're doing it on a on a uh, tax on a non-tax basis. In other words, it's tax free. So some people want to use that um, and take a look at it. But you always want to compare the cost. right? You want to look at the costs that you're paying because every insurance policy has an expense to it. There's a cost you're paying for that policy. And if you're receiving dividends on it, the dividends are, are after they've paid, you know, they've subtracted that expense. So you just want to be cognizant of, you know, how much you're paying for it and to make sure to, in order to make sure that it's the most cost-effective way of doing what it is you want to do. Sure. But some policies do have these loans. Some advisors will advocate to build up cash value in these policies so that they can specifically do that and they call that tax-free income in retirement. Um, you know, but you want to take the, you've got interest charges. You want to make sure you look at those, understand the expenses, the interest that's involved before you just, you know, go down that road. Uh, you know, so you don't, it isn't something you just want to immediately stop without evaluating it. And, and definitely I would recommend talk to an advisor or an agent that understands that policy and can help you figure out whether it's something you should continue or whether it's something you should, uh, you should just end.
0: So if it's if it's a whole life policy we've been paying in it, is that something you can take a look at and say, "All right, maybe we can rework this and, and get it into that you know long term care rider"?
1: Yes, it is for sure. Okay, for sure. We can. Yeah. What, what we want to do is we want to sit down and look at the term. I want to sit down and look at the policy to see the terms, right? And that's exactly the point of sitting down with somebody to say, "Hey, this is what I have. You know, can we do something better with it, or should I keep it? You know?" And and sometimes, yes, the answer is to keep it because. Depending on, depending on but it, it, depending on the costs and the expenses and everything built into the policy, that's what's gonna, that's what we need to look at to see how it compares to the policies available today and to see if there's other provisions in there. Uh, you know like these the policies I talked about that are hybrid, uh, they have what are called accelerated benefits. And, and so you're essentially taking out a piece of the death benefit to pay for long-term care, let's say, or to pay for a critical illness. Some of them have coverage if you have a stroke or a heart attack or diagnosed with cancer. So there's all sorts of different provisions um, and a lot of there's a lot of variation from one policy to the next. So if you're in that boat, just give me a call. We can set up a time to talk, set up a time to meet and we can uh, we can go over the details and I can give you an opinion on it. Won't cost you a dime, but at least you'll have some information and some education that you can figure out which road you want to go down and whether you want to keep that policy.
0: 800-975-6717 that's the number to call folks 800-975-6717 you can also just visit the website silverleaffinancial.com you can connect with Kevin directly there send him an email and and start that conversation and so really life insurance has r- just reinvented itself in the last what 15 years
1: yes it really it really has they've 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 come up you know and i think it's a gr- I think it's a good thing just like just yeah. like other industries, like you know we have the always creating new technologies right they're always trying to improve or at least most companies are trying to improve their product you know give you a, give you a, a, a better vehicle or a better you know television or whatever um, and it's the same thing with life insurance the they're, they're carriers are they're competing against each other trying to offer the best packages that they can and so it's worth taking a look at you know the policy that you that you picked up maybe 20 or 30 or 40 years ago might not be the best anymore mm-hmm. maybe it is you know maybe it is but it, but it makes sense to look at it and revisit it take a second look and see if it still makes sense.
0: Well, sit down with somebody like you who knows what, who knows this business, knows the industry, and you're a fiduciary, and you're independent, and you've got a lot of experience. So all of exactly. those things, I mean, I'm, you know, there's a lot of people I wouldn't go to and ask those questions. <laughs> right. <All> right. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not naming names, <laughs> but I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. It's not necessarily something that you get any value at the water cooler, let's say. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. If, if, you know.
0: So your second uh, cousin's mother said uh, that was a good thing, so I better keep it.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, right. right. And, and and actually with with the holiday time that we're in, yeah. you know, who knows what conversations will come up at the dinner table or while you're hanging out watching uh, a football game or something. Oh
0: yeah, that's um, bound yeah, to happen, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> I
1: think I think it is and and I would say unless they work in the industry, I, I wouldn't pay much credit, you know, give much value to it nope. personally. All
0: right, so let's let's. Here's a scenario. This and this, actually, I know this. So I know a couple, and they have a grown daughter. She's in her early thirties, uh, and they bit that, the house they grew up in, or she grew up, the daughter grew up in. All right, and they wanted yes. to. They're retiring, and they want to move to a smaller place. The daughter yes. won't let them <laughs> because it's <laughs> home. That's home. I can't go to a different home. But I mean, it doesn't make sense to keep this huge
1: house. Oh no I'm 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 puzzled by that phrase won't let them. Well um, you see you wonder who runs the show. It, oh that's immediately when I'm running I'm saying wait a minute who she's the child and they're the parents. Yeah. It's not her decision. <laughs> I mean, in what world is that the daughter's decision? Well you know um, in a weird world it is. It's wow. All right well if if that's the case then I would I would say Okay, I, I would suggest, all right, personally, uh, I understand sentimental value. Yeah, you right. know what? Let's let, let's take some videos, take some videos, take sure, some pictures. Sure. All right, she can she can thumb through the photo album and watch those videos whenever she wants to. Whenever whenever she's you know feel, feeling that uh, uh, nostalgic feeling, you know,
0: <laughs> sure,
1: she can always take a look at those or just you know what? better yet go sit in the corner and and open your mind up and just relive the memories. Yeah, okay? I mean, why not? That's as you good as it to- gets, right there, in my opinion. I think it is. And, and because, because guys, the cost of these big houses, my goodness, you're talking about, okay, hopefully I'm, I'm going to presume and I'm going to hope that you don't have a mortgage. That's the first thing I personally do not advocate having a mortgage when you're retired. I believe, uh, to me, the best recipe for a successful retirement is having zero debt, no mortgage, no car loan, and, and any credit card balance that you that you uh, build up, you pay it off every month. Uh, because interest is the enemy. Of anybody trying to save money. All right. Interest is great if you're the one collecting it, right? But it's not if you're paying it. You're just making somebody else rich. You're making a bank or a brokerage company or a mortgage broker rich, but it's not helping you. And so if the people had a mortgage on that, there's no question. I would say, I would say to, you know, uh, move down, you know, go to a smaller home. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, But if they do, let's say it's paid off, right? It's paid off. By moving to a smaller home, you can save money on the maintenance expenses. Your property taxes are probably going to be lower, and I bet your utility bills are going to be lower too. So you're going to save money every month in in terms of having less money go out that you're paying just to live in that home, all right? But at the same time, if it was paid off, then theoretically, you should have a little bit of a windfall, right? Maybe you make an extra, you got to take a hundred grand and you put that towards your retirement, right? Uh, Depending on what you sell, theoretically, if you sell, a don't know, a 3,000 square foot house and you buy a 1,500 square foot house. You should have some money left over from that sale that you can put towards your retirement, or maybe take that fantastic cruise that you've been wanting to take. How about rewarding yourself for doing a good job raising that daughter? Yeah. All right. And 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 inviting her to the new home whenever she wants to come over. Sure. Where you can cre- where you can create new memories. Of okay? course.
0: Well, you make it sound so easy, Kevin. But I have been in all seriousness, <laughs> I think people do struggle with getting rid of the house, and and oftentimes it is the best thing to do, despite
1: the uh, the emotions involved. I, you know, I believe that it is. Um, I, I mean, it, granted, there's there are, of course, questions that come into play, you know, but but if you I mean, how many bedrooms do you need if it's just you and your and your spouse?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, um, you got to ask yourself
1: that, you, you know, and do, do you need that big yard? And, and do you need all these things? Because uh, I used to, have, you know, me and my wife, we, we used to have a much bigger house as well. Um, and and then I, I it, it came to the point personally where I, I told her, you know, I, for some reason, I always wanted land. I always wanted this big house, you know, a long driveway. You can't see it from the street. Sure. And we had five we had five acres and and it was nice, all right, for a little while. <laughs> okay. And then and then I'm like, holy cow, all of my spare time is spent being a slave to this property. Yeah, no kid. I mean, it's you know, whether it's cutting the grass or or taking care of the weeds, my wife or we'd get wasp, right? These bees and wasps would build these big nests that form like overnight. And so she came up with wasp patrol. I gotta go on wasp patrol. And well, I don't want to do the, <laughs> so right? don't be doing that every day. Uh, oh, it's fun. It's fun. And when you got to climb climb a ladder to get up into the tree to take care of that nest, and then you tick them all off and you piss off that queen bee. <laughs> now, all of a sudden you're either falling from that ladder or right. And, you're, and it's, it's like a comic strip, right? You're, yes. you're being chased around the yard by the bees. <laughs> and, and I tell you what, there's a true story in there because <laughs> I had, I had one of these real quick. I had this chainsaw. It's a pole saw, right? Yeah. So, it, so it's a chainsaw that's on the end of a long pole. Right. I got which it. Is, right. Which is what you use if you want to stand on the ground and try to cut off a branch from a tree, right? That yeah. might be 12 feet off the ground or something. So I'm doing that. And, and to handle this saw, it requires both hands, right? You can't do it with, well, yeah, I guess you could try with one hand, but you probably wind up with one arm. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> sure. so I would always use two hands while I'm doing that. I didn't realize there was a big nest that I'm getting ready to destroy. And so I'm holding this saw, sawing down this branch as all these bees just swarm out and start chasing me. Oh, man. Fly in. The damn thing flew inside my mouth. Oh, ouch. I get stung on the inside of my mouth. Oh, man. I... <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, you know, so that's a memory I'm never going to forget. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, as fun as it was, um, you know, and uh, so anyway, the moral of the story is it, it can be enjoyable and it can be rewarding to have these big properties and, and to have this, you know, this beautiful thing you call home, you know, but in my case, I got to the point I was just tired of spending all of my spare time, you know, working on it and maintaining it. Uh, let alone paying the bills and the property taxes and things like that. Yeah,
0: so. it's a tough nut to crack sometimes. I mean, there's there's a lot of expenses, obviously, and I think that there, there are. are there are so many options out there for retired folks to find a manageable place to live that you know that you share a community. I mean, I know you're in a retirement community, and I mean, I'm yes. certainly looking at it around here too. It's it just makes sense to get to that.
1: Oh, you know what? I because I looked at it, and and a lot of these, you know, they they've got uh, 55 is your minimum, 55 plus of what you got to be to move in. And so, as I when I started looking around, you know, several years ago, um, and and I'm and I'm thinking about it, I'm saying, you know, what surprised me, Steve, is the you know, the the community that I'm in, the average resident's age is 77.
0: No kidding. That's, yeah, average, and I'm thinking huh? about, wow.
1: that's the average. Wow. That's the average. Yeah. And, uh, and now theoretically, we got some people over 100 that are pulling up that average, but, um, but there's a lot of people, you know, the, the median age is in the mid 70s. And I'm and I always ask everybody, why did, why would you wait so long to move here? Um, and now a lot of them say, well, they still had kids in the house and, and, and things like that. Um, but in our case, we didn't have kids in the house. And, and, and so when I turned 55, I said, why wait? You know, so we moved in right when I turned 55 guys, because in my opinion, your bills are only going to go higher over time. So my objective is to get my bills as low as they can possibly be. So all of my monthly recurring bills, you know, utilities and property taxes, all these things. I want them to be as low as they can because I know they're only going to go higher. And so when you move to a retirement community, all right, one of the big advantages is your property taxes are, are lower than most communities because you don't pay the same amount of money towards schools. And schools, in most cases, are the biggest chunk of your property tax bill. So you can save money on your property taxes by doing that. Plus, you get into a community where I'm at. We've got seven golf courses and and I don't know how many tennis courts and pickleball courts and We've got like a hundred clubs. It's crazy. We've got four gyms and rec centers, and we've got all sorts of amenities here. That if you try to get though, if you pay, you know, in, in the regular world, let's say, it's going to cost you far more than you pay in the fees that we pay here. Of course. So there is a big benefit, you know, um, and there's a lot, and and you're in a community with people that are, you know, in a similar state in life.
0: Sure. And again, that 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 makes sense. There's something reassuring about that too. And so, again, if it comes time to sell the house, is that a discussion that you have with people to, to kind of weigh what the options are?
1: It is. It is. And, and, and by the way, that's something I can help with. And I'm happy to help with anything financial. All right. You know, so I'll have clients like, for instance, when they're shopping for a mortgage, which is which is one of the reasons why I say that, you know, uh, one, OK, let me step back. The environment that we're in right now, interest rates have risen quite a bit. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is great for savers, as we mentioned. But it's not good if you've got debt because your interest is so much higher. So if you have to get a mortgage, it might not be advisable to move now because you could. If you've got a mortgage now, you've probably got maybe a three percent mortgage, maybe four percent. But if you move now, it's probably going to be six and a half or seven. Okay, so I'd be you. That's something you want to take a look at and evaluate because if you are carrying a mortgage, your interest rate is going to be is most likely going to be quite a bit higher. So so that is definitely a discussion you want to have with your advisor. To look at both the pros and the cons, you know, may, maybe it makes sense to do it, uh, but it all depends on the details of your particular situation. So, any advisor you work with should be happy to talk to you about these things. It, you know, we don't have to. The way that I operate is is basically just because I don't, you know, I don't need to get paid for every conversation that I have. I don't need to get paid for every every piece of advice that I give out. In other words, I'm not a mortgage broker, but I, but I'm happy to help you find a good a, a good mortgage if that's what you're doing. I don't sell auto insurance or PNC insurance, things like that, but I'm happy to help you figure out where's the best policy and what the best deals are. And and so things like that. I think a good advisor should be able to help you with everything financial.
0: OK, that makes sense. Folks, if you want to reach Kevin, uh, just visit SilverleafFinancial.com. That's a great place to start. You can call him, 800-975-6717. And you alluded to this before. If you were selling that big house, maybe you want to go on that big trip. But you, you can't have too many big trips or we're going to start yes. to mess with retirement.
1: It, it will mess with retirement. And and, and I love I loved to travel. Um, I've done a fair amount, you know, but but there's still plenty, plenty of places I haven't seen. Um, and one thing that me and my wife talked about is, you know, I'd love to be able to, I'd I'd love to take extended travel. I'm talking like a couple of years. Um, but the the trick is how much money is it going to cost? Right. 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 And, and, and and are you going to have to sacrifice something else? In other words, like now I say, I say, okay, if if you're thinking maybe I'll spend $50,000 on this wonderful, fantastic trip, you know, maybe that makes sense. Maybe if you've got the, the wherewithal to do it, it won't impact anything else. That's maybe it could be a fantastic time. On the other hand, maybe if you took that 50 grand and you invested it 10 years from now, you could be making probably five or six hundred bucks a month in interest off of that. I can show you how to do it. Okay. And so I told my wife, I say, now I look at 50 grand. I don't look at it as 50,000. I look at it at 500 bucks a month in income that I could have down the road if I save that money. (laughs) And so, uh, so, so it depends on where you're at, because one of the things we always talk about on the show is that I want to make sure when people are retired, that you've got guaranteed sources of income that cover all your bills. Including discretionary things that you you know that you have fun with, or it's bowling or golfing or traveling or whatever it might be. Given you know, buying gifts, don't whatever it might be. We want to make sure you've got that money, but then we need a cushion over and above that because we need to be able to anticipate inflation. We know we know prices are going higher over time. Therefore, we need to make sure we've got a way to jack our income, right, to increase that income. And so we want to make sure we've got those assets in place that can give us that raise in income as prices go higher down the road. So that's come, that comes first. We take care of that first. And then after all those things are in place, then we can talk about that, uh, trip around the world or that, uh, you know, Royal, that Royal cruise, you might want to go. on.
0: I like that. Okay. Folks, it's, uh, anything's possible. Anything's doable. It's just about planning the right, the
1: right way to get there. It's, it's about this right. We, we want this, the sequence. And we want to prioritize, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, but by all means, I, I, I love it when, when people say, you know what? We've got everything in place. We've got it all taken care of. You guys are good. Go take that cruise. Enjoy yourself. You don't have a thing to worry about because we got all the bases covered, right? Yeah. That to me is, is is the type of retirement you want to have.
0: Absolutely. Um, so one more thing here for well, maybe a couple more but uh, let's talk about uh, tapping social security a bit too early. We've talked about this many times Kevin, but it is yes. still an issue and most people
1: are, are still taking Social security at 62. they they are they are way too many way too many in my opinion all right Now, now the one caveat that that I shouldn't say one but there, there are a couple situations in which it makes sense. If you if you've got a health a health situation that is now preventing you from working or going back to work um then that might be a situation in which it makes sense to claim if you've been diagnosed with a terminal illness and you think that you won't live you know into your 70s or 80s then yes that could very much make sense to claim early all right um so in other words if you really have no other choice to me that's the only time you should take it early all right i know there's a lot there's a lot of stuff so there's another study that just came out this week um, that basically said people are leaving over a hundred thousand dollars on the table. You know, we're talking about cumulatively how much you could have collected from social security had you waited to collect. And, and I, and I, I see it a lot. I see many, many times people do that. And, and I, and I always have a, you know, my, my heart kind of, you know, my attitude kind of drops a little bit or my you know stomach sinks a little bit. Cause I get disappointed when I hear that because I know how much money they're leaving on the table. And, and so what I know I hear a lot of these stories about, oh, you know, the government's got so much debt and Social Security is going to run out of money. All right, guys, there is some truth to that. Yes, the government does have a lot of debt, but the Social Security Trust Fund is separate. All right. But something to remember is roughly 90% of the obligations of Social Security are satisfied through payroll deductions. So in other words, ongoing deductions, money that's coming into the Social Security Trust Fund every time people get paid. All right. So currently, currently, the money coming in is covering the majority of those expenses. Now, as time goes by, if the government does nothing, then there's no question that benefits will get cut. All right. But it seems to me, everybody's going to benefit's going to get cut. I don't see how, how somebody benefits by claiming it early, um, because if you wind up living longer than expected, that's when you're going to leave money on the table. And so to me, I look at it as, okay, if I claim early- and I live too long. What could the problem be? Right. The problem could be you run out of money. You can't maintain your standard of living. Guys, one of the, one of the most the best inflation hedges out there is Social Security, because it has a built in cost of living adjustment every year. That's an inflation hedge, right? You guys, anybody collecting is going to get what between an eight and a nine percent increase this coming year. Mm-hmm. That's an inflation hedge. Okay. And so the thing to the other thing to remember is. Even if you haven't claimed yet, right? You know that inflation bump; it's going to apply to everybody. So, it's people like me that have not claimed yet, I'm going to get that bump too. You don't have to be—you don't have to be receiving Social Security in order to benefit, uh, you know, from that increase, uh, the COLA, the cost sure. of living adjustment sure. that the government is putting out. Everybody gets that, and so uh, basically, the numbers work like this. If you claim it 62 versus 66 or 67, depending on your full retirement age. All right. The difference is if you live to roughly the age of 78, between 78 and 79, if you make it to 79, you would have been better off waiting until your full retirement age versus starting at 62. Oh, okay. Wow. okay. That's your break-even point from six, between 62 and full retirement age. I believe it's 78 and eight months. So between 78 and 79. Okay. All right? Then. Then we go one step further. What's the difference between, uh, you know, full retirement age and waiting until 70, which is what I plan to do? You have to live to 81, okay? So if guys, if, if whoever is the biggest breadwinner, whoever has the biggest social security check in a married couple, all right? You should be thinking about your spouse as well because the first person that dies, the surviving spouse is not going to get two social security checks. They're going to get the bigger of the two checks, Right. So whoever had whoever has the highest Social Security check should be thinking about their spouse, too, because the way I look at it, I say, well, you know what? If either me or my wife live to 81, then I'm better off waiting until 70. Sure.
0: Right? Well, and, and I mean, then today, I mean, these days, uh, 81 is nothing.
1: I I tell you what, I'm surrounded by I'm surrounded. Well, by yeah, I was going to say, if the average but, age where you are, 77, there's got to be a bunch of them over that. There is, and there's a bunch of them in their 90s. We got a bunch of them in their in their hunt 100s now. Wow, that's a party, all right? And, yeah, right. <laughs> it's a party. Centenarians everywhere. Um, so, so guys, I would really ask yourself, you know, I, I know a lot of people that say, oh, I don't want to leave money on the table, and I say, who cares? Who cares if if okay if you're dead? Does, who cares? Who cares? Okay, if you die too soon, all right, and you don't get to collect it all, you don't have any problems. All your problems are over with. Okay. But if you live too long and you claim too soon, you could wind up living destitute or or struggling to pay your bills. And to me, that's a serious problem versus not having any if I died too young. Right. So that's how I look at it. My opinion is to wait as long as you can uh, because uh, you get a significant jump. If you claim early, uh, you take a haircut of like 25%. Um, If you wait and claim later, you get a bonus of 25 or 30%. So every year you wait to collect, Social Security increases roughly 8%. Every month that you wait, your Social Security check will increase. So I advocate waiting as long as you can. There's no benefit to waiting past 70. So when, when, when you're maybe three months before you turn 70, that's when you should probably file the paperwork to get the claim in there um, and then enjoy your retirement because you're going to have the one of the biggest Social Security checks you can get.
0: Right. Well, I mean, a seventy is is kind of the new fifty, right? I mean, uh, I was just reading an article. In fact, I'm writing some show notes about that about people still working at seventy.
1: Oh yeah, and, and yeah, it's a, a big people, it's a big group. It is a big group, and you, and you know what, Steve? What a lot of people don't know is that when you when Social Security when they calculate how much money you're going to get paid, they look at your th- highest thirty five years of income. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so. Let's say you didn't have let's say somebody missed some year let's say it was a woman okay a woman that had a child and took some years off and didn't doesn't have the entire 35 years that means those are zeros in the calculation okay and so if she's still working post 70 right now she's going to replace the zero with with a wage and you know what that's going to increase her social security check sure sure and 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 so uh, and also a lot of people, they're earning way more now, way more at 70, probably than they did at 25 or 30. So, uh, that higher income, you know, is going to give you a bigger social security check. And, and so, uh, there are a lot of people live working well beyond, and you know what? I think it's, I think it's good for your mental health as well as your, as well as your financial health. Uh, a lot of people benefit from maybe just working a couple days a week or working part-time job. Uh, a lot of people say, cite the mental stimulation and the enjoyment. That they get from actually having that job even though it's part-time so so i am an advocate for it um for this and and on the social security note talking about 70 and, and the full retirement age 66 or 67. uh you guys you should pay attention to the politicians there's a lot of politicians on the republican side that right now are talking about raising the full retirement age for social security and they're talking about reducing and changing the rules so you should owe it to yourself to look into it verify it for yourself just get online and look at a bunch of different websites. You can see the plans and you can see the proposals that are out there because we're going to hear a lot more about this over the next several years. And you really need to be involved to make sure they don't cut your Social Security check.
0: Sure. All right. So um, we, let's do one more here. Uh, and this is an important one, especially for seniors, giving to every charity, because I know that, I mean, seniors oh, yeah. are targeted and they they, they lose are. a lot of money. And we've got to we got to look out for them.
1: We we do. In fact, I'll tell you what, I've uh um yeah, you know, for instance, my next door neighbor here, she's in her early you know, I hope she don't mind, she's in her early nineties. Okay. Um, and and so um, you know, our mailboxes are right next to each other. And so I'll I'll collect her mail when I get mine and I stick it in her door. And and the volume of mail that she gets and the number of solicitations from charities is is like three quarters of her mail. And and I I saw that with my mother. And and because what happens, guys is when you subscribe or when you give money to one of these groups your name is now on a list and they sell your name and they sell your contact information to anybody that wants to buy it and the people that want to buy it are the telemarketers for all the other charities that are out there all right because you know some people say now you're on the sucker list okay mm-hmm. it all depends on all depends on how you want to look at it right but when they find out that you've got a charitable you know you've got you've got uh, uh, some charitable desires They want to come capitalize it and you're going to get bombarded with solicitations. All right. So, so I think, I think it's, and and there's so many bogus charities out there. Guys, I I think please, before you give to any charity, go to some websites that are, that evaluate the charities. Like charity navigator is one that pops in my brain. All right. I'm not saying it's the gold standard. It's a, it's one, it's one site that evaluates them, but at least you can see how much money is actually going to the cause. Right, because you want the money to go for what cause it is you're trying to help, right? Mm-hmm. And and some of these charities, especially the ones that are in the names of celebrities and athletes and people like that, there's typically put very little of the money actually to the cause. Usually, it's all eaten up by administrative expenses. And so you can look it up. You can see how, does eighty cents of every dollar or ninety. The good ones. 90 cents or more of every dollar goes to the cause. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, that should be the minimum benchmark you look for in my view is at least 90% goes to the cause. Sure. But some of these foundations and these athletes charities, it's 20, 25, 30%, right? Yeah. It's, it's really terrible. A lot of, a lot of that money is getting wasted.
0: I mean, I I know uh, just because I'm, you know, around North, I'm in North Carolina and there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of passion for, you know, NC state and UNC, but there is the Jimmy V foundation, Jimmy Valvano, the basketball coach who took uh, the NC State to the championship. Anyway, yes. he created that just before he died, the Jimmy V Foundation, and they're set up where 100% goes to the charity. That's 100%. fantastic. 100%. And, I, yeah, I feel so comfortable with that. And, I mean, you know, the, the board of directors is paid, but it's paid by, uh, you know, they've just built a, a, a what, are they, what are you, you know, they've just built it up so that they it doesn't come out of the charity.
1: You know what, if it doesn't come out of the charity, because that, that, that's the thing to me. And and believe me, I have no problem with celebrities and foundations. They've got notoriety. They've got name recognition. So it makes sense that they do it. What I don't like is that a lot of them, unfortunately, get surrounded by people that just want to make a bunch of money. And oh, and, yeah. and, may, and maybe the celebrity doesn't even know what's really going on is is what I think. Um, you know, so it's really important to look at that. If they're pay, 100% is awesome. That is yeah. really awesome. And there's not and, many out there that do that, but they but they do. No. But that that is a really good one. And, and I think it's important because I'll tell you that's personally, that's what me and I, I planned. I plan to leave virtually everything. Um, everything will be going to charity for, for me and my wife. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so that's something that I'm, I'm looking into now to come up with, you know, lists of charities, I'm um, breaking it into categories, depending on what somebody might want to do. And, and so, you know, for me, I, I, I'm looking at human causes, I'm looking at animal causes, and I'm looking at the environment as well and so that's how i'm breaking it up for whatever that's worth um but guys take the time take the time because that's important that can make a big big difference in the future right make a big difference in somebody's lives and uh if you need some help or some assistance i'm happy to help you out with that as well
0: but again let's just say happy thanksgiving shall we yes (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't resist no oh hey (laughs) by all means let's go watch football (laughs) There we go. There we go. Kevin, we'll talk again soon. Okay.
1: That's not, that sounds. That sounds really good, Steve. Sounds really good. I, I I appreciate appreciate all your help. Look forward to uh, the holidays.
0: do it today.